0: Welcome to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health, the podcast that shows you how to live a longer and healthier life, showcasing doctors, clinicians, and patient stories. The goal of South Coast Health is to help and inspire you to navigate your health journey with knowledge, comfort, and ease. Hello, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. Today we're talking about plastic surgery in many different aspects. Our guest is Dr. Gregory Bormis, MD. Dr. Gregory Bormis graduated with his Bachelor of Arts in Biology from St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri. He then furthered his medical expertise, graduating with his Master of Science degree in Physiology from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Dr. Bormis then earned the Doctor of Medicine degree from Georgetown University Medical School. He chose to train at Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center in Chicago, where he completed his general surgery internship, followed by his residency in general surgery and plastic surgery. Dr. Bormis is certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. His interests include breast reconstruction, breast reduction, excision of skin cancer, reconstruction after Mohs, flap reconstruction of complex wounds, body contouring after bariatric surgery, breast augmentation, abdominoplasty, rhinoplasty, facelifts, eyelid surgery, and facial rejuvenation. His personal philosophy of care is rooted in caring for his patients as a whole person, he strives to heal each patient's physical ailment to the best of his ability, while reducing the emotional stress that each patient may feel. For Dr. Bormis, there is nothing greater than being able to help his patients move toward better health and a sense of wholeness. Welcome, Dr. Bormis.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you All very right. Much. I'm going to introduce Sophia Cabral Morris, physician's assistant in plastic surgery. She earned her Bachelor of Science degree in biology from the University of Massachusetts in Dartmouth, and then furthered her medical expertise, earning a Master of Science in Physician Assistant Studies at New York University of Technology. Sophia's personal philosophy of care revolves around patient-centered care. She believes that to best treat a patient, you must consider their physiological, psychological, cultural, and spiritual needs to develop the best plan specific to them. Sophia has always been inspired to be in the medical field and to work both toward her goals and her patients' goals. So welcome. Dr. Barnes. I'm going to start with you. What would you say are the most common misconceptions about plastic surgery? We hear so many different things. What would you say?
1: I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that it is prohibitively expensive. Patients are also often Surprised to find out that a breast augmentation, and tummy tuck, breast lift is not as expensive as they thought. Um, we unfortunately see a lot of patients traveling out of the country for what they consider to be discount procedures, when in fact, if they stayed right here, uh, they wouldn't have had to pay anymore and there's no plane ticket. The reason we're seeing these patients is because of complications postoperatively. And they can't return to the original surgeon in the foreign country to have these complications treated.
0: Interesting. And some of the procedures are covered by insurance, correct? The reconstructive procedures.
1: Reconstructive procedures are. Yes, they are. Uh, Even after massive weight loss, some of those procedures are covered by insurance.
0: How do you think that plastic surgery helps the patient's self-confidence and self-image?
1: Well, you know, honestly, it gets back to the old phrase, form follows function. Goal of plastic surgery is restoring form and restoring function. And for instance, a tummy tuck, you know, particularly after uh, either massive weight loss or just multiple pregnancies, the self-consciousness about the hanging skin and They even have a difficult time buying clothes, fitting clothes, Mm -hmm. a difficult time exercising. Mm -hmm. And what we can do is return the abdomen to essentially a a flat abdomen. We also tighten up the underlying muscles, which helps with their cords, putting the the muscles Mm -hmm. back where they originally were, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, restoring form. The following function is that, They can exercise more effectively, you know, their back pain is less and they have a stronger core and they then develop a better sense of Mm well-being physically and then emotionally.
0: Yeah. Isn't that also true with breast reconstruction for women who have very large breasts that it's really hurting their back and it's impeding their function?
1: Right. So with the reduction, yes, uh, very large breasts can cause a lot of pain. Women we see, they all talk about how they're limited in their activity. They would like to exercise, but they just can't because of the pain. They have uh, bad rashes that that become painful and can become infected. With the reduction, again, restoring a more youthful form, first of all, they, they can begin to exercise more effectively and truly improve their overall health which, again, their overall mental well-being improves.
0: What's the most common procedure that you perform?
1: It's difficult. We perform a lot of breast surgery. That's probably the most common, both of the breast reconstruction, breast reduction, and the cosmetic aspect, mastopexy or breast lift or straightforward augmentation.
0: Have the trends changed over time in terms of kind of what women are seeking or what people in general, men and women are seeking over the past 10 or 15 years that's changed?
1: Um, To some degree, not really. Everybody is still seeking, in a sense, the return to a more useful form or a more functional form. Mm -hmm. So that aspect has changed. One change is men seeking out more cosmetic surgery, whether it be an eyelid lift, a brow lift, facelift, or a neck lift. But for the most part, that's the the biggest change. Other than that, it's still hopefully returning to an improved form.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, Sophia, as a physician assistant, you then see the patients pre-op and post-op. So when someone comes, what can they expect? What's the initial visit look like before they see Dr. Bormis? they will, will then talk to you.
2: So the initial visit is always the consultation with one of our experienced board certified plastic surgeons. Um, and then when surgery is planned, they come in for a pre-op visit. That pre-op visit is essentially education, talking about what your recovery is going to be like. We talk about From when you wake up from surgery, this is what you will expect to see. This is what your course will be. This is your follow-up, whether you're staying overnight in the hospital or going home. We follow up uh, with phone calls the day after surgery and then your post-op visit here at the office. So we really basically hold the patient's hand from start to finish of what the surgery is going to be like.
0: What do you find, Sophia, are the greatest fears with patients when they come in?
2: I think probably the biggest fear is pain, how their recovery is going to be, their limitations. And so we try to come up with a good plan. You know, we use multiple modalities. Now there are things like blocks with anesthesia that help with pain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before a lot of patients had to stay in the hospital overnight just really mm-hmm. for pain management. And now a lot of the procedures we're doing are essentially outpatient.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of them, a lot more than before.
2: A lot more than before, yes.
0: Dr. Bormas, I'm going to go, go back to you for a minute before we talk about post-op. So when a patient comes to you, how do you know they're a good candidate? What if they want something and you, look, you evaluate them and you're not sure it's the right thing?
1: Well, certainly for any elective procedure, we do an extensive medical history and physical exam to make sure they can physiologically uh, undergo the stress of surgery. Surgery is stressful on the body. If it appears that they can, and as long as they're not smoking and don't have any severe contraindications, um, such as, you know, bad cardiac disease or uncontrolled diabetes, you know, we then kind of move move ahead with discussion in detail of the planned surgery. Mm -hmm. If they have expectations that the surgery can't meet. That's another indication that their surgery might not be right for them. Many patients will come in thinking uh, they want just a little liposuction of their abdomen, when in fact that would be a wholly inadequate procedure for them, given the amount of excess tissue they have. Mm -hmm. That's probably the most common. uh,
0: So you really need to align their expectations with what you're telling them, you know, they have to be able to understand what's realistic really from your perspective is, as the surgeon.
1: Correct. They're always the very reasonable about it. I mean, they have certain misconceptions about plastic surgery, mostly from media and, you know, yes. they'll read that, you know, someone had a little, you know, had their abdomen fixed on a lunch break, things like that. Yeah. When yeah. in fact, you know, their issue is uh, much more severe than mm-hmm. what's advertised.
0: What about cosmetic surgery in terms of it lasting forever? I mean, when you say if a person has a facelift or an augmentation or, as you said, a tummy tuck, what are the expectations there in terms of how long this will
1: last? You know, certainly um, they should be very happy with the result for you know 10 to 15 years, the Things that we cannot control are you know, previous smoking history does cause damage to the skin to the particularly the elastin fibers in our skin so that with aging you're just going to appear to age more rapidly
3: mm.
1: despite a facelift you're still aging and certainly if they start smoking after some oh, unfortunate you. people have returned to cigarette smoking. Years or so after their surgery, and that causes significant issues with aging. In terms of care for their skin, they don't use sunscreen, they don't use good moisturizers, things like that, which simply hasten the aging process.
0: So, self care is very important in this for them. Correct. My question is about people who are older. Is there an age which you say, you know, I'm not sure we want to do the surgery, or is it not about age? Is it more about condition of the body?
1: It's really about condition of the body. We've had some 70-year-olds who are in fantastic shape and four-year-olds who, because of their medical condition, aren't candidates for surgery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Age is just a number.
0: Yeah. And that that's really important because so I think people have misconceptions about that. Are there dangers of having cosmetic plastic surgery?
1: They're the same dangers as honestly any surgery. I mean, it is surgery; it's major surgery. The risk of you know bleeding or infection again is roughly in the one percent, like essentially all surgeries, and those really are the. The main dangers or the main complications. Mm
0: -hmm. What about reversing something? Is that possible if a surgery has been performed and something needs to be changed or reversed?
1: Well, with the surgery being performed, uh, it wouldn't be so much a reversal as, think of it more as a correction. There, There can be healing complications, scar complications, which can result in a less than optimal mm-hmm. appearance. And there are things uh, we can do if the patient needs a revision to, to correct it and, and reach the original goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Sophia, I want to go back to you for a minute about this, that if a patient comes in and they've had surgery and something doesn't feel right or there's an issue, then do you deal with that in the, in the post-op consultation and then talk to Dr. Bormis about it?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, I'm pretty much available, you know, every time the office is. So we use emails. Sometimes people will send us pictures. They'll come in. I'll just say, you know, put them on the schedule today. I'll see them. And then most of the time, one of the surgeons is here. Um, So whether Dr. Bormas is here, if it's his patient and I'm really worried about them or I want Mm -hmm. another set of eyes, there's always another surgeon in the office too. Um, And we work as a team to kind of get to the bottom of it, but I'm kind of usually the first person that a call or an email would come to.
0: Okay. Dr. Bormas, when do you um, suggest that someone might have injectables, which is something that Sophia can do in the office and maybe explain the injectables. uh, How do you determine whether you would do a surgical procedure, whether it's a facelift or something else, or whether they might, again, have an injectable?
1: Primarily depends on the patient's goal. If they don't like, say, the nasolabial fold, that's kind of the fold that goes from the side of your nose to the corner of your lip. Uh, The deeper the fold, the more aged you can look. And injectables, the soft tissue injectables, are very good for this, to soften that area. Uh, Again, depending on their age, you don't necessarily want to obliterate that fold. Uh, It Mm -hmm. honestly looks somewhat absurd. And a lot of times those patients think they might need a facelift when in fact they don't need anything as extensive as a facelift, but the injectables can really uh, do a great job in in softening these folds uh, and giving them a more youthful appearance, more rested appearance really.
0: And there's many different types of injectables today, right? We used to have just Botox. Now we have Restylane and many others.
1: Right. So Botox, most wrinkles are uh, a result of the active muscle underneath the skin. So Botox is terrific. It, its goal is to paralyze that muscle so that that wrinkle of the skin just smooths out and, and you don't have that wrinkle. And that's excellent in certain areas of the face, whereas some wrinkles need volume to fill up the skin underneath. And that's where products like Restylane, Radius, and uh, Juvederm come in. I mean, the original was the collagen injections of years ago. The product has been improved from from the old collagen days.
0: Mm. Sophia, talk about that in the process since you do a lot of the injectables.
2: So first, we would have you come in, um, and I think it's important to set goals first. And then, like Dr. Bormis said, sometimes you know when you look at a wrinkle, you have to look at why is that wrinkle there, and what is the goal you want to achieve in the end. And then we would talk about what the appropriate plan would be, whether it would be Botox or filler.
0: Okay, and so then, and you decide now. Do you discuss this plan with Dr. Bormis or another yes, plastic absolutely. surgeon? Right. So, and then, and how often do people have to come back? Is it every three months? Is it once a year? How does that work?
2: So it depends on the treatment, but generally, yes. And after we do any treatment, we generally have people come back a couple weeks later. So we can talk about, I liked this. I would like to do more of this. Um, Usually after two weeks, we kind of can see where things have settled. And then we can talk about the next plan, but generally, yes, every three to six months, especially with Botox and it gets trickier in that after you've been doing it longer, you don't have to come in as frequently, but yes, generally this is something that you're gonna have some upkeep with.
3: Okay, good. Dan from Matapoisette Mass was playing paddle tennis when it happened without warning. By the second set, I couldn't play anymore you know, just started feeling tightness and couldn't shake it and it wouldn't go away. Dan was having a heart attack. Luckily, he had the region's most advanced cardiovascular facility close to home and was taken by EMS to the Heart and Vascular Center at Charlton Memorial and Fall River thing I remember, going into the operating room, the doctors and nurses were phenomenal. They walked you through it every step of the way. With 20 years experience, South Coast Health's Heart and Vascular Center of Fall River treats over 2,000 patients a year at one of the most active cath labs of any community hospital in Mass and Rhode Island. To find out more, visit southcoast.org slash heart. When you have a heart attack and you need open heart surgery, you want the best care. We have such a great hospital system right here in our backyard. It saved my life. South Coast health more than medicine,
0: Dr. Bormis, I want to switch for a minute and ask you about weight loss surgery because that is there's so much obesity now in our in our country, and so many people are losing weight, and then they have what we call the panis, right? The apron that hangs down if they've sure. lost excessive weight. And so my question is, talk about, how you advise patients for that type of surgery. I think it's called paniculectomy. Am I correct?
1: Yes, you are. Yes, that's it.
0: And, that, and that's what I'm, what I, my question is, what can they expect? And also, what do they have to do afterwards to maintain that weight? Because that can also affect it coming back again.
1: That, that's true. And it's it's excellent that South Coast here has a, Fantastic weight loss program, bariatric surgery program, and they do a great job. The patients, to meet insurance requirements, do need to lose 100 pounds from their original weight, which really they do. If you need, if you get into bariatric surgery, 100 pound weight loss Mm -hmm. usually occurs. They also need to maintain that weight, essentially their goal weight. For at least six months, okay? Okay. So if the patient has lost over 100 pounds uh, and I see him, we have a long discussion about the surgery itself. And it's, in a sense, a reconstructive surgery, but it's essentially the same as a, as a tummy tuck,
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay? The reason we like to see that they have maintained their weight for at least six months, it's a good indication that they've developed good habits good eating habits good exercise habits so that it's very unlikely that after their surgery they will begin to gain more weight mm-hmm. and again once their abdominal skin isn't you know hanging to the thighs they can actually begin to exercise better the clothes fit better their mm-hmm. self-esteem improves and it it's a positive loop That keeps them going and improving their overall health with exercise and nutrition.
0: Sophia, how do you work with patients that have had the paniculectomy in terms of your pre-op and post-op?
2: Sure. The pre-op is very important. As I said before, we go over, this is what you're going to expect, whether you stay overnight or you go home. These patients have drains that teach them how to use the drains post-operatively. We talk about garment wear. You're going to use an abdominal binder that's very important for four weeks. So I set those expectations before the surgery is ever done so they know what to expect. You're not going to be able to do any heavy lifting. You're going to need help with kids, groceries, dogs, whatever, so that we have a plan. We talk about comfortable sleeping positions. We talk about nutrition, what vitamins you should take before or after the surgery. So we really do a deep dive um, with education, which I think is very important. And so that post-op, they already expected all of this.
0: Yeah, which is really, really great. Dr. Bormis, my question is, there's so much on the internet. There's so much information. And people then take that information and, and take it as their own. And don't always get really the straight information from the doctor or from the physician's assistant. Do you think anyone who is thinking about a procedure should come in and either talk to Sophia or you to really find out, you know, exactly what's in it for them?
1: Absolutely. Again, that's the uh, large part of our consultation with some patients is educating them. Uh, on the proper course of action or procedure, dispelling a lot of the myths or misinformation they have gotten on the internet. I tell all the patients if they're going to look on the internet, only go to the American Society of Plastic Surgery site, mm-hmm. and make sure that every time they click on something, that they're staying on that site. Mm-hmm. That's legitimate information. It's very good information. But yeah. too often, they find themselves on some other site where, for whatever reason, they might find various horror stories and become uh, mm-hmm. completely scared about yeah. any procedure.
0: Have there been some recent developments in plastic surgery research and procedures? What do you see coming down the pike?
1: A lot of the developments, I mean, there, there's always there's vast amount of research in plastic surgery. Uh, And a lot of it is more pertaining to the reconstructive aspect, which uh, like a lot of new technology will filter into the cosmetic world. Tissue regeneration is an exciting field. It's it's a fantastic concept. It's in its uh, early periods now, but it is foreseeable that cultured tissue could reconstruct an ear
0: their own like tissue the nose. it would be their your, your, own
1: tissue correct your own tissue yeah
0: so they would be rather basic, than they the, would
1: grow it correct correct yeah
0: rather than it be uh, synthetic if you will
1: right either synthetic or you know in particular for the ear and sometimes for the nose if we we need to use rib cartilage or mm-hmm. bone Mm-hmm. Uh, even taking bone from the skull for nose reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Those are excellent for their time and for what you can achieve, but to truly regenerate with the patients' own tissue would be even better.
0: Yeah. And don't you use patients' tissues for some of your procedures, like you could use our breast reconstruction? Sometimes they use it in other areas of the body where you take tissues from other parts of the body.
1: Absolutely. So those are uh, in the general category of flaps. So when patients hear about a flap, essentially what it is, is moving tissue from one part of the body to reconstruct a defect in another part of the body. And we do a lot of those for skin cancers of the face, of the nose, for breast reconstruction, mm-hmm. reconstruction of wounds in the leg, a lot of that. Mm-hmm.
0: How much of this is art and how much of this is science?
1: It's difficult to uh, separate the two. They're intertwined pretty intricately. So you need to have the science, but the art has to be there as well. It's
3: Hmm. it's
1: kind of like good jazz improvisation. You (laughs) need to know music uh, intimately to actually improvise effectively.
0: And in closing thoughts, Sophia, I'd like you to just um, share with us what you feel patients should know, you know, before they come in, because you're seeing them really when they first come in, you're also helping them afterwards to get through this. So what would be your advice to someone who's really thinking about either cosmetic or reconstructive surgery, and they're not sure, what would you say?
2: I would say it's great when people come in with a list of questions. Um, some people come in with a notebook and they are always apologizing and they're like, "I ha- and I say, no, this is great. Come in with your questions. Um, come in with your expectations, so then we can see what is reasonable and what isn't. Um, and I think it's great with that people are educated, and then we again discuss going to like ASPS and making sure they're getting information mm-hmm. from the right places.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Dr. Bormus, your closing thoughts, what would you like to leave our audience with about patients in your practice and and working with South Coast Health for either reconstructive or cosmetic surgery?
1: I think the most important thing uh, is that uh, here at South Coast, here at our plastic surgery office, everybody involved has the patient's interests at heart. We really do want to get to know the patient so we can understand everything they want, everything they need, and uh, really help them along in the process. And that's why we're here. Uh, That's what we've chosen to do. And we really want to help the patient along in the process.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you both, Dr. Vormis and also Sophia. being on this program today. And that wraps up this edition on plastic surgery of Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now.
2: Thank you for listening to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. To subscribe to this podcast, visit www.southcoast.org forward slash healthy dash aging. While you are there, we want to hear from you please take the time to complete a quick survey so we can learn more about the topics for upcoming episodes that you are most interested in to live a healthy lifestyle. Thank you to our hosts, Patricia Raskin and South Coast Health. This podcast is brought to you by creative content developer Raskin Resources Productions and produced by Virtually You.